Hey, it's Amber. If you need a quick four to five minute pick-me-up while on your break at work or to start your day or while your kids are napping, tune into Grace Talks. You'll hear pastors talking about relevant issues like fear, anxiety, and grief. They're short but powerful messages. Find Grace Talks wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Today's episode is called, This Too Will Pass. Thanks for joining me. on my way home from a Christian women's conference over the weekend, and I got stuck in what is probably the worst storm I have ever driven in. So I was half an hour from home, and uh, finally it caught up to me. About an hour and 15 minutes or so from home, my husband called and said that the sirens were going off at home. And then shortly after that, my sister called and and they were telling me that, you know, it was a pretty, pretty good storm and they were all hunkering down in their basements and I asked them to look at the map and see, you know, if I was going to be driving into it or if it was going a different direction. And, you know, as storms go, there's only so much you can really tell from watching the radar and, and seeing where things are. And so... I just decided to keep on driving and deal with it when I got to it. Well, I got to it and I was driving on Interstate 90 and I ended up going from about 70 miles an hour down to 40 within, you know, 30 seconds because the wind suddenly was violent and one by one by one by one, all of the cars in front of me and behind me we all just pulled off the road to the shoulder and hunkered down. And it was um, fairly, <laughs> fairly intimidating. I'll just put it that way. My hands were definitely shaking. And so I wrote it out for about 20 minutes. And then as I started off again, I was amazed to find that just two or three minutes down the road, there were bright skies and the sun was out and the clouds were gone so, you know, once the storm passed, man, it was just night and day difference. It was just unbelievable. But then as I was driving out of the storm, I kept looking at the row of cars on the other side of the interstate that were heading into the storm. And I thought, man, those guys have no idea what they are driving into. In just a few minutes, they're going to be in a really really different situation than what they're in right now. And that seems to be sort of how life goes, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we're heading into the storm and we don't even know it because we've had sunny skies. Or sometimes you're just bristling and hanging on under the thunder. And whatever season that you're in, whether you're in the worst or just out of the worst, or don't even know that you're going into something that's going to be a really tough season, it's important to realize that it's going to pass. Whether we're in the good, the bad, or the ugly, it passes. So today we're going to talk about navigating each of those seasons. 
So first of all, we're going to talk about the good. Man, when you are in a good season, thank God. What a blessing it is when the people around you are healthy and you're able to go about your business, you have jobs and, you know, a car that runs and a paycheck coming in. This is the time to fortify yourself. I know what we tend to do. We tend to, when the going is good, kind of forget about our spiritual life. We're spending so much time at work and then, you know, because we do feel good, we're doing extracurricular activities and spending extra time with family and that type of thing. And all of those things are good. But don't forget the word of God, because this is the time to spiritually build yourself up. Get a small group together. I can't say this enough. I know I've talked about it a lot in the past, but man, just studying the Bible with two or three other people or two other couples or four other couples, it can, oh man, I cannot tell you what it can mean for your Christian walk. Not only are you going to get a different perspective on the word, because as you're in the word together, different people add, you know, their thoughts and and they look at it just a little differently and they've been through something different than you've been through. So they're adding their perspective and their experience and it's just becoming a fuller, richer experience going to the, through the word together. And that in and of itself is such a bonus. But then you're also fellowshipping together, which means you're doing life together. As you meet, you know, I don't know if our Bible study group always met every month, just through the, um, you know, the usual school year, we never have gotten together during the summers, because we've had children, and it's gotten crazy. But you know, about nine months out of the year, we got together once a month. And, and as you get together each month, you're filling each other in, you're picking up where you left off. This is what the kids are doing. This is what's going on with the job. This is what's going on with the parents, whatever. And throughout the month, the, the friends are praying with you. They're keeping in touch. They're sending prayer requests or they're asking how things are going or checking in to see, you know, if that child got through the test or, or how it ended up with that illness or, or whatever it is. Another good thing to do when the times are good is to spend time with your Christian friends even the friends that you might not be in a Bible study together. You will very much need these Christian friends down the road. When you are in the storms, the Christian friends are going to be there to hold you up and help you out. So do not neglect those friendships. In March, for the first time in I don't even know how long, I got together uh, with three friends. I went for one night, the rest of them went for two. I was the youngest one. I still have kids at home. The others are in a much different season of life. So I went for one night, the others went for two nights. And, but we just had this beautiful time of fellowship. We read the word, we prayed, we talked about our ministries, what was going on. Just a few months later, one of the women, her husband died very suddenly. And since then, just this last weekend, two of us were able to be in the same vicinity as this woman who has very recently been widowed. And let me tell you that time away, you know, just a few months ago, cemented a friendship that when we get together with her in the midst of her pain, 
you know, we, we already know, we know so much about what her life was like, and we can just be there. And we've also developed that trust so she can let us in on, you know, what she's really feeling without any, any feelings of, you know, I don't really know them. And that's why I say that it's so important to invest in your Christian friends, especially when the going is good. Ecclesiastes 5, 19 through 20 says this, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their lives because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Remember that God gives us our jobs, our health, our ability to work. He gives us our families, the food that we eat. He, he just recognize this and, and give thanks. Give thanks during the good times, especially just because God has been so, so good to us. And then there's another thing that I have learned too. When things are going well, it's a good time to keep up. You know, these are the times to paint the house and to go through the storage room and get the bills paid and make sure that you are maybe putting the money into the retirement or or whatever it is that you have decided you're going to do, because there may be days that are ahead when you can't do that and you're going to need that emergency fund and you're going to be thankful that when times were good, you looked ahead and you thought, I am going to save up. I'm going to be prepared for the times when things maybe aren't as good. If you can do that, you will definitely, definitely be thankful that you did so. How about the seasons that are bad or maybe even the worst? We all end up here now and then. And again, I I like to make sure that we remember it's not because God is punishing us or because we've fallen out of favor with God. It simply is because we live in a sinful world. The effects of sin affects everything. Everything dies. Everything is in the process of decay. Accidents happen. Tragedies happen. Illness happens. Sometimes our bosses decide they no longer want us. I don't know many people, honestly, who haven't had a season of financial struggle of some sort. Everyone I know has had a season of illness. Everyone I know has watched someone close to them die, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, a spouse, or a child. And so those really hard, (laughs) gripping the steering wheel, white-knuckling it, storm rain falling, thunder crashing, wind whipping days happen to all of us when we are sort of left hanging on. And what do we do then? Well, again, this is when it pays to have those good Christian friends, the ones who are going to hold your hand, who are going to sometimes navigate you through their craziness when you don't even know how to put one foot in front of the other, when you can't even think straight. When you don't want to make decisions, these are the friends who will pray for you and help you to have the strength to get through each day. Some days they're just going to come alongside you and they're going to be walking 
you know, right with you. And other days they're going to send you texts and they're going to send you emails and they're going to call and they're going to check and they're just going to be there to remind you that you're in their prayers. I think it's important to remember two biblical accounts. So in Luke, I'm sorry, Mark chapter four, Jesus had been teaching. He had been teaching parables to the people. And when evening came, he told his disciples to cross the lake, which was also known as the Sea of Galilee. And when they were in the middle of the lake, when they were crossing the lake, we're told that a furious squall came up. Now, remember, at least four of Jesus' disciples had been professional fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were experienced, they were professional, and they had spent a lot of time on the Sea of Galilee. Now, my study Bible notes that the Sea of Galilee is, is like a basin surrounded by mountains, and it's susceptible to sudden violent storms. In fact, it explains cool air from the Mediterranean is draw, drawn down through the narrow mountain passes and clashes with the hot, humid air lying over the lake. So my guess is Peter, Andrew, James, and John had been on that sea many times and had been caught in the middle of these squalls. And yet this was no typical storm because even they were terrified. The waves broke out over the boat. We're told that the boat was nearly swamped. And even though Jesus was in the boat, he was sound asleep. Now, I'm not sure how you can do that. I've been a mom for 22 years now, and I wake up very easily. I sleep very lightly, but Jesus had had a day, and there he was, sound asleep in the middle of the storm. So the disciples ran to him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up and said, Quiet, be still. And the waves went completely calm, and the wind died down. Paul Kretzmann, who wrote the popular commentary of the Bible, says this. The evangelist here pictures Jesus, the Lord of the universe, who commands the sea and it gives him unquestioning obedience. The man Jesus is the almighty God. With his human voice, he restored peace in the uproar of the elements. From that little nutshell of a boat, even while he was asleep, he governed heaven and earth, land and sea. Only his divine majesty was covered by the form of a servant. And as he did then, so he does now. He uses his divine power, his omnipotence in the, un, in the interest, in the service of men, especially of his disciples, his believers. That is the comfort of the story. I need to remember that when I am in the middle of what seems to be the biggest storm and all I can see is darkness and all I can hear is the wind and I feel the waves splashing against me and I sense that I'm about to drown I need to remember someone's in control. And clearly, it is not me. Now, God may not calm our storms 
the second we go to him and ask for help. But that doesn't mean he isn't in the boat with us. It just means we have to trust. Because he's there and he's in control. Whether or not he chooses to make things better for us immediately. Now I want to bring you to John chapter 11. I'm not going to read the account. I'm just going to summarize it. It's probably familiar to many of you. Jesus was friends with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And Jesus didn't come to heal him. They had heard many stories of Jesus' power. Jesus had stopped there before. They knew him. They were ministry partners. And Jesus could have come and healed Lazarus. But he didn't. He stayed where he was for two more days. And the result was that Lazarus died. Kretzman was quoting Clark, and he said this, God's delays in answering prayers offered to him by persons in distress are often proofs of his purpose to confirm some great kindness. And they are also proofs that his wisdom finds it necessary to permit an increase of the affliction that his goodness may be more conspicuous in its removal. Lazarus dying wasn't the end of the story. Jesus came to Mary and Martha. Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, which resulted in many people putting their faith in Jesus just before Jesus himself was going to be crucified. This reminds me that the goal of my life isn't comfort or blessing. But Jesus said that Lazarus being raised from the dead happened so that God could be glorified. What do we believe about life and death and living in a sinful world? How can we point people to Jesus in the midst of our storms? We do that when we remind people that we know that God is in control and that God ultimately doesn't have to answer my prayers in my time and my way. But through the pain and through the sadness, like Job, we can point people to God and say, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord sometimes takes away. But he's still God and he's still worthy of my praise, even when I'm in this season. The last season is that season when we are finally seeing the sunshine and coming out of the storm. Once you've been in the storm, lock arms with those who are in the storm right now. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, 
so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Give what you have been given. Use everything that you have learned to carry others as you have been carried. You know, soon enough, we're all going to be home. We're all going to be home in heaven. But until then, whatever we're going through, the good, the bad, the worst, it's all temporary. And it's all for a reason. God never, ever allows us to go through something just willy-nilly, like, well, I have nothing else to do today, so I guess I will just afflict one of the people I love. That's never, ever the point. God loves us with this unbelievable love, and he allows us to go through things. Sometimes it's for a refining. Sometimes it's for a testing. But quite honestly, he is going to use some vehicle to get all of us to heaven. So sometimes that means death happens and tragedy happens. Things that we aren't ready for. But it doesn't mean that he's bad. It means that he took one of his loved ones to be with him. And eventually that's where we're all going to be. The best that we can do is when things are good, we can enjoy and we can thank God and we can use that time to fortify ourselves and to glorify God in the way that we live. And when things are bad, we can cling to God and his word and we can remember that he is in the storm with us. And when we're coming out, we can be there for other people, knowing this too will pass. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. When I go to a restaurant or our family goes on vacation, I love to leave reviews. I want other people to find the good stuff and or avoid what might be a waste of time. If you're a faithful listener, would you rate and review Little Things? There's so much buying for time and attention, and reviews and ratings really do make a difference as to what people see. Let me thank you in advance. And don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a suggestion, I am so happy to hear from you. Thanks for being here.